Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with one of my colleagues and a software architect, Fred Jean Dobien, about the possible patterns when designing a distributed system in CQRS. We first started by talking about uniqueness constraint, what it is and why is it important, and how we need to be careful when designing these uh, constraints. We then discussed several patterns uh, in which you can better design your distributed systems, especially when discussing these items in command query responsibility separated patterns. Fred described five different patterns uh, which he talked about each one of them in detail during our talk and why each one of these patterns is important and how they can then communicate with each other uh, through a possible message router or a server or other ways of connecting them and communicating them. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's have a listen. Hi, Fred. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, Sarah. I'm feeling sick, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Caught you at the right time, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. well, thanks for being here anyways, despite you're not feeling really great today, but I'm glad to have you. So can you, before we start talking about the topic of the day, which is something that um, I was really excited to learn about uh, a couple of weeks ago when you and I spoke and um, I'm excited for everybody else to also learn more about it. Um, but before that, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you are, uh, what you do, a little bit about your background, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I'm living in Belgium, um, finished university like 12 years ago. Um, yeah, university in computer science, obviously. <laughs> um, it was... Um, the theoretical part, so really theoretical computer science. Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes you have, you know, you have uh, uh, what we call pure computer science and what we call uh, something to manage a, a company, right? I did okay. really the pure, the pure technical and theoretical part. So um, finish up uh, with the artificial intelligence. And I really thought uh, back in the days that I would uh, make it my career. But mm -hmm. as you see, it's not the case. <laughs> Life sometimes Life has different plans, right? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So I started my career in the banks, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, the big uh, central processor for the bank in uh, Belgium. Mm -hmm. And this is where actually I... Uh, started to to play and work with uh, SecureRS and even sourcing, even okay. though it wasn't called even sourcing and SecureRS because those terms didn't exist back then. Right. But I started started with this. So yeah, very cool. Then I did uh, a lot of uh, other companies. Uh, and then I started to really play with those patterns. Like eight years ago, mm -hmm. uh, I was the tech lead became the application architect and uh, yeah this is where when I really decided to focus on that uh, on that nice we were at a uh, university of uh, a few weeks ago 
and uh, um, Allard, um, the, our CTO, was uh, talking to a group of students about uh, some of these patterns, CQRS and domain driven design and things like that. And, um, and some of the students had some presentations ready too. And so when they were giving these presentations and you see the, you know, their eyes are just bright and so excited about whatever topic they were talking about. And then afterwards they come and ask questions and things like that. So when you mentioned, I thought I would go to the direction of intelligence, uh, artificial inter- intelligence, but then that didn't happen. Kind of reminded me of, uh, we were kind of joking at, oh, they're so excited and enthusiastic and they're like sponges. They, they grasp everything you tell them. So what happens after that? <laughs> your first job happens and then you're put in a different direction. And sometimes that direction yeah. turns out to be something you actually enjoy and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm glad that this was something that uh, you actually did enjoy and you seem to be enjoying it still, which is great. So Yeah, indeed. Uh, I enjoy it. Nice. Now, we talked about um, a topic that I had come across, of course, and uh, had heard a lot about it, but not really dived any deeper into into the specific one, which is uh, the topic of uniqueness constraint. So when uh, you shared some of the slides that you had and uh, you had done some talks uh, about this particular topic and uh, uh, other topics within uh, within that conversation, uh, we thought, hey, <laughs> let's just record this. This is great. Uh, so tell me and everybody about uniqueness constraint. What is it and why is it important? And do please state the obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So what is a uniqueness constraint? So everything is in the name. Eh? <laughs> uh, it's certainly Hence the obvious uh, part, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you want something to be unique. Uh, like everybody knows uh, the use case of having uh, a unique email address for, for users, that is a uniqueness constraint, right? But this one is, uh, is very simple. Sometimes it, it could be much more complex than this, like, uh, for instance, for the bank, uh, email address is not relevant. Right. It's probably your um, national register number uh, in Belgium. I don't know if you have the same in the... In USA, I guess you have something, something uh, similar. similar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> but sometimes Social security uh, number usually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. That's the one I was looking for, but I just <laughs> forgot. Um, <clears throat> sometimes you cannot use uh, this number for a GDPR reason. Uh, back in the days, uh, GDPR didn't exist, but we couldn't use that number everywhere because you needed to have a kind of certification, security certification, which is really really high in Belgium. So sometimes people just uh, took a very bad decision, but a kind of holistic (laughs) decision on the uniqueness of a customer is based on his first name, last name, and birth date and Mm -hmm. place of birth, for instance. Okay. Okay. Which, of course, brings uh, clashes and uh, conflicts. But it was was something, right? If you cannot use the national security number or something uh, similar, yeah, you, you had to use something. So uh, uniqueness constraint is something like that. Make sure that uh, your users or your data is unique into a system. Right. That's the definition. Yeah. So now it's, um, you know, obviously <laughs> it is obvious what it means, but um, in, a, in a bit of a context, it makes more sense. Um, and of course it's important, but I can imagine that um, with that case of having a series of information kind of concocted together, 
your name, last name, birth date, place of birth. At any point, any of these um, parts of this one information changes, let's say you move, or, you know, or actually moving, I guess, doesn't make any difference here because your place of birth is the same. But in the case, if you, for instance, get married and your last name is different, um, then that can cause some issues. And uh, with something like event sourcing, when your events are immutable and shouldn't change and your information basically shouldn't change and things like that. So I can imagine that brings in some um, complex situations maybe. But before we get to that, you did mention uh, during the conversation that you and I had that we should have a little bit less constraint. And why is that? Um, I can have some guesses, but <laughs> I like to to hear your point of view on this. So for me, those constraints are uh, are really important and you cannot avoid them. And that's right. really important to, to understand because, uh, yeah, for if you... Uh, if you go to a bank and you say, yeah, unfortunately, I, I've built a system, a very nice system, but you could have a duplicate customers. If they mm -hmm. click twice on the button, the bank will say, yeah, that's not an option. Sorry, <laughs> do it again, of course. So, but the thing is, we shouldn't base everything on that. And right. uh, so when designing constraints, we should design them uh really carefully that's what i meant so mm -hmm. avoiding them it's not it's sometimes not an option right. and uh but we should uh, try to to be really uh <clears throat> mindful about them so don't don't do anything stupid with constraints like <laughs> put a, a field that is uh, supposed to be changed every five minutes it won't right. work right yeah so that the design of it is really important Exactly. And especially in SecureS, actually, uh, SecureS system makes the uniqueness constraint very complex, but mm -hmm. at first glance, right? Because right. you see, there is a write model, there is read models, and when you want to, to add something, you say, okay, my aggregate is responsible for its own life, but when it creates itself with a uniqueness constraint, it's actually something that spans over multiple aggregates. Exactly, and that what makes it uh, more complex than just uh, do something on my aggregate. No, it's actually create my aggregate with a uh, a condition that span over multiple aggregate. And back in the days, we had uh, no other option to use uh, a database for this. Mm -hmm. And I was really uh, I'm not a big fan of database. So, so that you you know, <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. If I, it, it's not that uh, I'm not a big fan, but if I can uh, use something else uh, than databases, especially for right model, mm -hmm. uh, I will. So uh, when I was learning the actor model back in the days, really <laughs> long time ago, yeah, they came with a very clever and simple ideas of. Your constraint is actually an uh, an actor on its own, mm -hmm. and that's the where it's actually completely different from uh, what we saw on the internet. Just yeah. put a constraint to a database, and work will be done. No, no, there it's uh, an actor model. Uh, of course, an actor model is composed of actors. Actors are a bit like aggregates. If we mm -hmm. if we look at uh, the axon stack, right? It really looked like. 
and uh, there they were they were saying, okay, whatever your constraint is, one field, multiple fields, whatever, just create a unique key, a unique identifier out of it. Right. You can do it uh, using ashes, using concatenation, whatever. Yeah. Whatever takes multiple values and create another value. That works. <laughs> and this, so in is, this is the case, ID. Is it kind of, yeah. yeah, sorry to interrupt you. But in this case, is it um, sort of translating for me into Axon language? Would that be then the aggregate identifier, for instance? Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. perfect. Yeah. All right, great. Carry on. Sorry. <clears throat> So um, you create actually the aggregate identifier. Mm -hmm. So one value out of multiple values. And you ask that aggregate or actor, can I use you? Are you available? And of course, because actors and aggregates in the Axon stack are uh, concurrency free, right. they ensure the concurrency for you. That's very nice. If you say, now I'm using you, Next time I want to use you, no, I'm already used. So you can actually reject duplicates. Really using uh, the, the aggregate, actually. So no need for database, no need for external system, just mm -hmm. uh, an even store and uh, some uh, aggregates in the system. It works. And done. Nice. And done. It's not, and this works not only for uh, uniqueness constraint, it also works for uh, sequence generation. A lot of people say, yeah, if you want, for instance, to uh, generate invoices in a system, you need to have a sequence number without, uh, I would say, without holes. So the sequence should be natural all the way. And they were using a database for that. But I, I told them, hey, same, same problem. You don't need that, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a database. Use a, an aggregate for this. And just uh, on the aggregate, you say, give me the next number. Mm -hmm. and, and voila. give and set, of course, and voila. Of course, yeah. And uh, some of, uh, of our clients were actually using a, a Postgres cluster on the, mm -hmm. in the cloud just yeah. to do that, uniqueness constraint and uh, sequence generation. Then I told them, now you, you can ditch it. You have the Axon server and you have, uh... so it works. And they were saying, yeah. no, no, it's not true. But if you don't believe me, we can try. So right. we tried. It took us one hour to modify the system and use only actors. Mm -hmm. And they were like, so installing in test, and it took one sure. hour. So it's, right. yeah, it was quite fast. And they were Very like, fast. yeah, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> yes, it's working. Like, I told you so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now we can remove the clusters, which we pay. It was something like, yeah, really, really uh, a huge amount of money for yeah. the cluster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just for that, it's it's huge. I mean, yeah. just uh, to to use uh, to use it as a sequence generator and mm -hmm. or uniqueness constraint checker, it's really too much. <laughs> and it's, so yeah, uh, it's, it was a good thing. It's great that you mentioned that because uh, as you mentioned about the uh, design of things, that's where it boils down to. A lot of times, you kind of go back to it and say, hey, "What can we change in the um, design of the system?" and Changing just a few things can actually save you a lot of money in the end, which is what we yeah. all like, right? Um, so one of the things that um, you mentioned also was the um, the whole uh, notion of 
chaos-oriented approach to a lot of this design, right? <laughs> Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. Um, the name of it, it kind of makes me nervous because it's chaos and I don't like chaos, but <laughs> maybe it's a good thing. No, no, you tell me. Actually, uh, the, the whole world is about chaos, uh, so nice. you shouldn't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and but, my whole uh, world is about to making sense of that chaos and then go back to another yeah, chaos, which is great. Exactly. The universe the and the sun and the stars and everything is chaos. So by chaos, uh, chaos engineering and chaos um, system, I was uh, thinking about, yeah, the very naive approach when you create a microservice-oriented architecture is to put a lot of service together and they call each other. They There is no boundaries or constraints. Uh, of course, nothing can go and, wrong there, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and you have, like, uh, if you have five services, it could work. When you have 50 services... You just have a big ball of mats uh, mm -hmm. with a full full mesh interconnection, and when something goes wrong, you actually you dig it into it for months and say, "Oh, I think I understood. Now we can uh, provide a fix." But the system has changed, <laughs> and actually, your fix is <laughs> not relevant the month anymore. That you were looking. Yes. Yeah, exactly. and and now you cannot reproduce a problem, so you're like, "Oh la la, what the?" You can reproduce that problem, but then another fifty problems have occurred during that yeah, time. Of course, <laughs> probably. Yeah. So that's a problem of uh, the naive approach of uh, microservices. So you have a kind of full mesh interconnection between all mm -hmm. services. I don't like this, and yeah. uh, especially in SecureS, or uh, I'm sure it. Uh, it goes beyond secure as um, architecture, but especially in CQRS, mm -hmm. you can do better than this. You can have a, a tree-like approach. And I say mm -hmm. tree-like, it's not. It's because it's not really a tree. You have cycles. So, of course, right. mathematicians will say, oh, well, he's speaking about trees, but there are cycles, not a tree. Yes, it's not a perfect tree, but it looks like a tree. Right. <laughs> tree-ish. That's yeah, it's right. tree-ish. It's like a very weird tree where you have branches going back into the, the trunk. Okay, the it does not exist in the nature. Yeah, but okay, uh, very me, I said something like a tree. Mm -hmm. And to do that, so that was my mission actually uh, years ago when we had uh, a lot of services playing all together, <clears throat> a lot of uh, external services, clients, uh, systems, playing together and it was very difficult when we had a problem to to monitor everything and to understand what was the problem and then we we started to say okay let's define some uh, some some rules actually of a service what what can a, what ah, can a service do sorry yeah <laughs> and we were saying okay service can obviously receive a command and we were already in SecureS. Huh? So I'm, I'm uh, getting through the whole process of putting SecureS, defining what it is, blah, blah, blah. No. So a service can obviously handle a command, accepting the command and by producing an event. So mm -hmm. handling a command, producing an event. Fetching events because it needs to, in even sourcing approach, you need to rehydrate your state. So, mm -hmm. ah, okay, getting events as well. Producing events. Of course, I can produce commands because at some point you need to produce commands. The same for queries, handling and producing queries. 
And we were like, okay, if we don't put some uh, rules or if we don't define some patterns, yep. a service can do anything and you will end up with a big ball of mud. We're back mesh. into chaos. <laughs> yeah, yes. back into chaos. And this is something we really wanted to, to avoid, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and I define back in the days, I really like the divide and conquer approach. So I yep. said, okay, we will take the theory of SecureS, so write model, read models, mm -hmm. and then put as many constraints as possible, which is sometimes we want to break the constraints. No, I yeah. said, now we put a lot of constraints. Mm -hmm. I want my write model, the one who is taking decision, to be completely isolated. And the other architects were looking at me and say, wow, you're completely crazy, uh, service completely isolated, it won't work. I say, yes, I want him to, to be able to work mm -hmm. completely alone. Right. He doesn't have to know uh, there is another service or who is calling me, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Who will read my events, I don't care. I will just play with my commands right. and produce my event. That's so in a way, you're playing with the idea of location transparency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's really the, the thing. So yeah. back in the days, we had a RabbitMQ. It was like eight years ago. Huh? So mm -hmm. RabbitMQ was uh, still a thing. So before the guy was still using <laughs> RabbitMQ. I'm not saying it's not a thing. <laughs> but it was I think it was it's very much then. a thing still for a lot of people. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm really yeah. curious to see what you did with it. Yeah. And uh, so the idea was really a service had uh, its own uh, queue mm -hmm. and were and its own topic. Right. And that's it. Commands mm -hmm. were uh, putting into the queue and events putting into the topic. And mm -hmm. that was actually the, the thing. And we said no connection to other services. That's the, okay. the thing. All right. Then we said we need to view the data. Uh, because secure us without you the queue. You do something with the data, uh, exactly. Yeah, you do right. some business, but you cannot really uh, look look the data. So right. uh, we said, but can we can't we do the same thing with the, the query models? Mm -hmm. Like the only thing they can do is uh, read events and respond to query. Right. The only and nothing thing. Nothing else. Right. And nothing else. No, no query aggregation or calling another. No just this yep. sometimes of course you have uh yeah you have to play with very old services which are not secure as ready which right. uh with a very i shouldn't say stupid but stupid soap interfaces <laughs> something like that right. maybe something you don't want to play with mm -hmm. and of course you want to make them secure as uh, compliant so yeah. yeah, okay, you will do this by, they will accept queries and you will actually fetch the system back, interact with the, the whole system behind the scene, of yeah. course. Um, but let's, let's say that in the ideal world, we don't have uh, external systems, we just uh, read events and respond to query. Right. That was the second, uh, second patterns. Mm -hmm. And then almost immediately we were like, okay, but something is missing. The, the business came and we're saying, okay, it's cool. Now you have an inventory, you have a activation of the broadcast. You have hours in the, in the broadcasting world. Uh, okay. So 
you have to install the device, you have to manage the, the stock, you have to manage the broadcast signal, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But because everything is isolated, how do we do this? And I say, okay, there is something missing. So first, the first idea of a human being is, ah, let's break the rule. They will play together. And I was like, no, I won't break that rule. They will be isolated. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, yeah, but you're crazy. You don't see the problem. I said, yes, yes, I see the problem. <laughs> something is missing. You just need a connector. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Something is obviously missing and uh, we, sh we shouldn't break the rules. So immediately we saw a few things like what we call the saga, right? Mm -hmm. The saga pattern came uh, almost immediately after the first problem uh, of mm -hmm. design. Uh, we need something that if we want to do something actually breaks that something that uh, that command actually into several commands and make sure that those commands are executed right. synchronously mm -hmm. so it was the definition of the, the saga yep. say so, okay then we will have the, the pattern saga and the only thing it can do is uh, process a command and produce a commands different yep. commands um and um so that was uh, the the third pattern right. then we, we were like okay sometimes we want to do processes asynchronous processes because mm -hmm. uh, imagine a bank i always take that example really like that example in a bank you imagine we have customers bank account cards mm -hmm. and for a reason we want to split them into right models really isolated right models we could have customers without bank accounts. Why not be sellers? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why not? But we can have bank accounts without cards because okay. cards is a very old thing. We still, yeah. we are still using cards. I hope that uh, would like to get rid five of it. Years. Yeah, yes. of course. I don't use cards anymore. I have some, but I don't use them anymore. I use my phone, of course. I <laughs> had to use and... my card the other day, and I felt so. Uh, snobbish because I was irritated at the machine for not taking my phone <laughs> needed a yeah. card and I was chuckling at myself I was like yeah the the 20 21st century problems here <laughs> of course yeah, I had the same problem in a the bar there was like a <laughs> cash or card say neither cash <laughs> uh, I say uh, neither what do you mean yeah, it's not it's not for free I say no no I will use my watch Yo, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was having I was having lunch on Saturday with an old friend of mine, and she wanted to treat me to a fine. And she said, "Well, if you really feel bad, you can put some cash for the tip." And I said, "Cash? Who carries cash anymore?" <laughs> she was laughing. Yeah, you are way old school. school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Thank God you didn't ask me for a check, so I can write seventy nine cents on a check and be done with it." Yeah, I don't use cash and I don't use cards anymore. So it's sometimes very difficult for me, but yeah. So, but you, you understand. Anyway, so that's why I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want to put the card into the bank account, uh, right mm -hmm. model, or should I say round context, because one day I will, and I hope, remove this from my system. So I just want to remove completely the, the bound context or the containers related to that bounded context and say, mm -hmm. okay, now I don't have cards anymore, but my system is still running and right. I didn't have to modify any other pieces. So that's you actually cool. don't have to modify the code, which is great. Yeah, you just uh, remove containers. Right. That's cool. Easy. 
you register a new customer and uh, the guy say, the business guy says, uh, yeah, now if you register a customer, make sure he has an account. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other guy said, yeah, but if we create an account for now, create a card. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a cascade. You see the cascade. Yeah. Okay, all right. The chain reaction. And of course you don't want to do this. <clears throat> because then everything's connected. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just say, okay, yeah. register yourself. Uh, I am Frédéric, Jean de Bien, blah, blah. Okay, you're now a new customer. Welcome. And uh, behind the scene, uh, an account will be created. And when the mm-hmm. account will be created, behind the scene again, the card will be created. You don't want everything to be synchronous because if the card is not created for a reason, mm-hmm. you don't want to kick out the new customer, of course. <laughs> it exactly. would be a very right. bad strategy. So what you do is you keep retrying. <laughs> Right. trying to create the card but you just say to the customer yeah welcome everything is everything fine. is fine you will receive right. <laughs> you will receive your card eventually <laughs> hopefully in the uh, mail but everything yeah and everything uh, is fine mm-hmm. so we were like okay the saga is not an option so we have to do something else and the name was processes right the new right. pattern uh, so now we have how much right model uh query model Saga processes, mm-hmm. four patterns, right. and I was like, I'm not happy with this. Something's Something is still missing. missing. Yep. Something is still missing, and uh, the other architects will say, No, no. What What is missing? I say the protocols. Exactly. And they were like, What do you mean? You know that we have a lot of different customers. We have a lot of different systems that are actually calling us. And for some of them, we need to expose a SOAP uh, interface. I'm really sad. Some of them is uh, JSON RPC. Mm-hmm. Still sad, but it's way better. A little bit better. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes gRPC trips. Ah, that's, that's uh, much better. I'm sorry to feel, yeah, I'm sorry to feel really excited. Less depressed. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> but, yeah, less depressed. But the problem <laughs> is you, you cannot uh, impose those uh, protocols to all the clients because sure. some of them are really old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can imagine with, on the banks, uh, my first protocol was, I'm not sure I can say it. Yes, I can say this. <laughs> I was uh, counting the years that I received a mail. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I received a, a mail file, a CSV through mail. And I had to, to process it. I was like, oh, right. That's, that's a protocol. Cool. Uh, of course, depending on the customers and the systems, we have to provide as many protocols as possible. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to modify my code base. And I don't want to modify, my, especially my core. Mm-hmm. The core was uh, synchronous by design. But for some customers, we had to provide synchronous uh, API protocols. Right. And I was saying, what about creating this pattern? Okay. A uh, protocol, actually. Right. So that we can multiple, <clears throat> multiply them, sorry. And uh, we will uh, propose uh, as many protocols as possible, depending on our customers or different systems. Right. And the idea was quite cool because we could have uh, SOAP, which is an RPC, GRPC trip. At the same time, based on the same core core um, platform. So I said, here it is. I have my fifth pattern. Nice. And now there is uh, another problem. Is Okay, 
can we mix them now? <clears throat> that was the, the question. But then you go back to the chaos if you mix all of them together. Yeah, and then I said, okay, let's try to optimize a bit the number of uh, deployable that we create. Mm -hmm. So by mixing patterns, but make sure that we have rules. Right. For instance, does it make sense to to mix a write model with a read model? I know a lot of people are doing this, and I'm sorry for them, but no, it doesn't make sense for me. Yeah. Because in the, the scaling theory, write model will be sharded, mm -hmm. read model will be replicated. Right. So if you want to mix all of them together, and you want to say, for instance, I want to have a three instance for the write, 50 for the read. How do you do that? Because my system is much, uh, really much used for read, but not so yeah. much for, for write. Right. You, you can't do this. So it's bad. Yeah. Don't do this. So, <laughs> of course, we don't mix write models with query models, but maybe we can mix other patterns. Okay. And we actually started to, to look at all the patterns and I was like, okay, protocol and query are really for the, the last thing I designed. This mm -hmm. is not the business actually. Right. People were quite shocked at the beginning. This is, this is not the business. What do you mean? And they said, uh, what do you mean? It's not the business. Of course, it's our business to provide uh, an API and protocol I say no. The business is to make sure that all the right models are coherent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the stock is coherent based on the location of the devices that we solve, but the protocol, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. We don't care. Even the views to show the data to, to the, to people, to support people or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. This can That's be changed actually. Exactly. Yeah. So we were saying, okay, protocol and queries are actually part of the user experience, mm -hmm. not the business. Mm -hmm. And the rest, so right model saga processes are really they are the part business. of the business. Yeah. So you can mix patterns to optimize mm -hmm. if you are in the same part, which is business parts or UX UX right. parts. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't make sense. So that's why no write with a query, please. <laughs> Even like... though we have location transparency, yes. Yes, in but you theory, still makes sense. Yeah, in, in the practical world, you don't want to do that. But I think we missed one thing, right? I think we missed the, I guess, the one thing in between them, which could be your message router or something that communicates in between. Um, of course. The, the patterns, yes, which, which is kind of obvious, but I like to state the obvious. <laughs> they have to somehow communicate, right? Of course, of course. So to, to make them communicate, of course, you need something. Message router, which is uh, compliant with the CQRS. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you should be able to route a command, route a query, route an event, which right. actually those messages have very different uh, schema for, route, for being routed. Right. And of course, you need to, to have uh, the store because we, we were uh, an event source system. So, of course, an event store. Put the event somewhere, uh, exactly. And that's where I want to come back to the Axon stack because 
if you think about the Axon stack, it's actually the server. The server yeah. is all of them. Right. In one right. piece of, uh, of software. So that's, that's great. Back in the days, I had to use RabbitMQ and a Postgres, for instance. <clears throat> yeah. It was working, of course, but the distribution and uh, all, all of these things were actually complex. Yeah. Because it's complex to set up. The exactly. RabbitMQ cluster, the Postgres cluster, they are not so easy to set up. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So the setup itself is one issue, and then um, I can imagine they maintenance it and the everything else that comes with the changes within the system add more complexity yeah, yeah. to it as well. Yeah, indeed. And so those technical parts were really handled by, by big teams, actually, for us. Mm -hmm. Yep. One but now having the Axon server, the... exactly. Yeah, now with the Axon server, is uh, one component you have to maintain, not two. That's, uh, right. Even if it's one, two, it doesn't look like <laughs> yeah, it's not that much. doesn't look like a lot. <laughs> but when you get to the nitty-gritty of it, it's yeah, it can yeah, cause a lot exactly. of issues. Exactly. Very good. Um, so just to... To recap the the patterns that you mentioned, because I think that's really important to uh, kind of go back and really look at the the five patterns plus that massage route in between. So we do, of course, with the CQRS, you have the write model, your command side, yeah. business side. You have the read model, your views, uh, and then in between to um, sometimes you need a saga or translator. Sometimes you need process. So you have those other two patterns, and then of course the protocol, uh, which came. So sort of towards the end of your discovery mode about how do we uh, want to then deploy these uh, these various systems and um, want to define. And then the way to communicate between them, the way to store these events, then a message router or in our case, uh, Axon server uh, can, can come to the rescue, which is really great. Um, fabulous. Very good. It, this is really interesting to see your process because it's such a personal I think discovery mode that you went through with various projects that you had in mind and also um, throughout the years as things became a little bit more concrete and more defined, it made your life uh, easier because then you have patterns to go by. And uh, it's really nice to see the process a lot of times because various people have various processes and uh, it's really great to see what what's worked for you and what you um, have come to at the end. This is, Hey, this is works. This, this is great. Now yeah, I know you work with a lot of, uh, clients does, is it in <laughs> kind of a loaded question, but is it an easy process? What, what has your personal experience been within different teams? Is it sometimes really hard to get people onboarded with what you have to offer? Or have you noticed that when you show them the result, kind of like the, the example that you gave in, in one hour, they could see that difference. Then it's kind of like that aha moment that they're like, okay, yes, this is the, this is the route we want to go to. Yeah, that, that is a, a tough question, actually. <laughs> so, I guess the, 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 my favorite answer would be depends. <laughs> yeah. But actually, yes, it depends. It's, uh, but I don't like I don't like the it depends uh, answer. So I will go a bit into into Thank detail. You. <clears throat> uh, for me, the technical parts is always easy. Mm -hmm. uh, at least for me, technical parts is always easy. 
I well, failed. I can imagine because you have time. a proof, right? <clears throat> yes, yes, you have a proof. Yeah. But the problem, and especially here in Belgium, I don't know, maybe the other countries, is we have a lot of ego for a reason. <laughs> Many like of if us someone do. Comes with, uh, yeah, if someone comes with an ID, it's very difficult to, to accept the ID. Yeah, that's a yeah. problem, right? And uh, this is where I failed big time. Mm-hmm. It's not putting theory or bad architecture. No, because yeah. for me, architecture, if you follow those patterns, is really easy. Mm-hmm. But it's to manage the people who are not convinced. It's the mindset that takes the longer. mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Because so what I what I learned <laughs> through experiences is uh, you need to let the client think they came with the ID. <laughs> and then it will work, actually. You explain <laughs> everything, all the all the constraints. And they will, you actually really guiding them through the process of saying exactly what you want them to say. And then, then it will. You make them sound like it was their idea, not yours. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it looks a bit like uh, manipulation, but it's a good manipulation. Exactly. It's, uh... it, but is, <laughs> I feel like that's the, that's the way a lot of times I parent, make them think that they came from them <laughs> as opposed to exactly. you telling them exactly <laughs> what to do. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's really interesting, and I think that's a, a a common challenge for a lot of people too, especially architects, especially those who want to um, sort of um, adopt new patterns uh, for clients and and such. Uh, and at our conference a, a few months ago, uh, we had sort of a Q and A session, and somebody said, so they asked the question of how do you deal with um, folks who are working with legacy systems, really old systems, let's say a 30-year-old system, and you want to now bring these patterns into play, and uh, you have the architect who's been working on this system for the past like 25 years, and how do you get them on board? And, and um, I made a comment that, hey, um, during the, at that point, we had about 50 episodes. Uh, yours is going to, I think, be the 60th episode. So hooray, this is celebration. And I said, a good two-thirds of those episodes are people complaining about the same challenge because it is, it's not an easy one. It's, it's tough, but um, props to you for, for fighting the good fight and <laughs> for keeping it going. But most of the time I, I, I ask this question uh, because they, they ask me, why should I use your patterns? I say, if you are happy with the current solution, you shouldn't. Are you happy yeah. with the current solution? No. Uh, so everything, everything is uh, is frozen. Uh, nothing is working correctly. We have bug fix waiting for two years, oh, yeah. and uh, we have concurrency issue. We have blah blah blah. We have a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I said that's the answer. <laughs> there you go. That's the short yeah. answer, of course. And yeah. of course, if everything is working, then you, they probably wouldn't call you, right? If, if everything's oh. working, then everything's fine. If they're happy with it, then go for it. Keep on, keep on going. And it's it's actually a very funny thing that I ask all the time because uh, so technical leaders they, they don't like you see you come you're an architect you say technical leaders ah, I designed a system and, and I think it's working and then the management say no it's not it's it's really like huh? not good let's say yeah <laughs> and uh, put nicely and you come yeah put nicely say not good and you ask a question and say yeah I, I'm not sure I uh, I agree with your solution say. Of course, of course. 
is your solution working like uh, like you want? Can you do this and that and this? Uh, no. Uh, so you're not happy, but you don't want to change. Yeah. What do we do then? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what do we do? Continue the choice like is this? yours. Wow. Yeah, you continue like this. For me, it's fine. I just uh, go somewhere else. I have, right. to be honest, I couldn't care less. Yeah. But if you want a system that works, we need to improve. I'm not saying that I arrive with uh, silver bullets, but right. I arrive with a foundation which is working. Exactly. And then we can improve and put uh, and define new yeah. stuff. And cool. I think that's important that you mentioned that because you, you don't arrive at the back of a unicorn and say, hey, it's going to be rainbows from this point on. But it it's important, I think, a lot of times um, some some folks don't realize how much work it takes. And it's a it's a timely process. It doesn't happen overnight. It just needs a lot of patience and it needs time. But once you get to the point that uh, you want to get and the system is um, functioning how you like it to function, then you've arrived to that almost rainbow. Of course, you have to constantly maintain <clears throat> it and adjust it as you go. But at least you have built the foundations, the solid foundation that you want to help you kind of go on for hopefully several years or decades the way that you want to um, proceed. Yep, and of course, as was with anything, patterns change, uh, architectural um, preferences change and things like that. So it's, it's an ongoing battle. It never ends, right? It never stops. Yeah, There's always course, something more you can do with it. But uh, starting from a good point always is helpful. But I really want to appreciate you being here today, despite you not feeling so good. So thanks for being here. <laughs> and sharing uh, your really great experience with everybody and um, breaking it down into uh, a very cohesive uh, way to look at it and uh, understand. Um, you have had a talk about this in the past. Um, if it's publicly available, I'm happy to share it as well on the notes of the podcast or any other information that you want to share. I'll um, get on that as well. This so. is on the, yeah, this is on the Axonic uh, YouTube channel. Okay, fantastic. So I'll uh, share that with everybody so that they can actually yeah. look at the slides as well. I think it's really helpful if they have the visual also. Um, again, thanks a lot. And uh, I hope you have a great day. You, Feel so. better. Talk to you later. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join me next time for other amazing talks with wonderful guests. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.